0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Recently, I had an opportunity to be on the Low Carb Hustle podcast with Nate Palmer. And Nate's one of those guys that, like myself, loves to learn from other people and share a great message. So I really feel this sense of kindred spirit when I have an opportunity to talk to people like Nate. I hope you enjoy the episode. Go check out the Low Carb Hustle podcast, give them a rating. And if you haven't done so, On Apple or Spotify, drop us a rating. It helps us significantly to grow the show, get our message out there, and to impact people's lives. So I will love you forever if you do it to Apple and Spotify. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Have you ever wanted to change the way you looked and felt? So you change
1: your lifestyle, you go back to the gym, you start tracking macros, but you stop after a while because it's just so hard. Well, You got two options as I see it. Number one is find a magic healthy pill that gives you Amazon Prime results. And if you do find that, please let me know because I would love to try that as well. Or you can start learning to embrace hard things by taking some simple steps to evolve your body and your mindset. And that's what today's guest is gonna talk to us about. Steve Cutler runs the Evolve podcast. He's also been in the industry for over two decades and he's seen what works and what doesn't. And one of the things that he identifies as being a key component of success long-term is having a mindset that has grown to enjoy challenging and difficult things. You're listening to the Low Carb Hustle, home of your Million Dollar Body Method. We're helping you get leaner and live longer. My name is Nate Palmer. I've been a coach since 2008. I've helped over 1,100 people level up their health and fitness. My mission is simple. I want to show you how to easily drop fat so you can feel lean, strong, and energetic. So if you're ready to learn some of the mindset pieces around how to evolve your body and your headspace, well, then stick around. Let's do this real quick, though. Before we start, are you tired of those last 30 to 40 pounds that every time you take your shirt off, you think I'm going to lose it this year? Well, let me give you something at no cost to you. That way you're not having the same conversation in your head in 11 months. I'm talking about my proven five-day meal plan for fat loss and performance this is something that i've been working on for years and i've used repeatedly with clients to get them to drop 20 to 25 pounds in like two months and i'm just going to give this to you it's got meal plans it's got grocery lists everything that you need so that you can start teaching your body how to burn and mobilize that stored fat rather than just throwing stuff at a wall and hoping something works this is going to change potentially everything that you've ever thought about food and nutrition. Hit the link in the show notes to find out more about the five day fat loss meal plan, or you can go to thelowcarbhustle.com to get your copy at no cost today. What is up, Steve? Hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this. So, for anyone who doesn't know, you are the man yes, behind yeah. the Evolve podcast. And that's a You interviewed me on that. Like you're an amazing host, but you've also been in the industry for a really long period of time. So could you just give us kind of the, the quick version of your story of how you got to be where you are right now and where the evolve side of the podcast and brand came from?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on it. And it was great to have you on. I mean, you're such a, a high energy guest and we had a great time. We've had nothing but positive feedback from that show. So thanks for, thanks for coming on. So I got in the industry almost a quarter of a century ago. I know that totally dates me, but you know, I was just fascinated with health and fitness growing up. When I was in college, I had a double major in psychology and art. And I thought to myself, I don't want to sit around just drawing and painting. I don't want to go get a job where somebody tells me what to draw and paint. And I did a day in a psychologist's office and sat and watched this guy listen to people tell him about their problems and thought, hell no, <laughs> I cannot do this. But I love the artistic nature of being in the health and fitness industry, being able to sculpt a beautiful body and then just the psychological aspect of it. You know, most people's challenges stem from what become or what's in between the two ears rather than, you know, what they're putting in their mouth or anything else. And so the fitness would be a great way to uh, take the science, the art and some of the psychology and put it together. So I got into the industry about almost 25 years ago, was a personal trainer, strength coach for about 10, 12 years full time, worked with everybody from professional athletes, Olympic athletes, post-rehabilitative clients, and you know went on a journey in the fitness business on the management side and worked in consulting and running large gyms. About three years ago, decided that during the pandemic, there was just this massive shift in the world relative to people's health and people's perception of what health was. And I thought it's time we evolve as a society and it's time we start from that evolution from the inside out. Because as soon as certain things were taken away from people, almost like everybody just crumbled, you know, we we, we had one focus in life. And then when that was gone, now I just don't know what to do. So I'm going to feed my face with stuff that I don't need. So. My co-host and I got together and I said, hey, I've got an idea for this podcast. I want to start a new business called Evolve, where we help people to not just make this weight loss transformation, but truly evolve into our highest selves. So that was the gen. It was really out of a, a deep caring for society and seeing how, you know, this pandemic,
1: wow. 25 years in the industry and then kind of the new business being born in the last three years out of some of the negative stuff that you saw from the pandemic. Yep. It's a really cool story. I want to hear a bit more about like kind of the perception and the things that you saw go wrong during the pandemic. The, like the, you said the word crumbled. Yeah, I yeah. think that's really interesting because there's a lot of people who, in especially in this generation, haven't had a lot of hardships in their lives. We've been living in a state of Abundance for several decades here, especially in the US. What have you noticed about, you know, maybe people who have, who did not crumble versus those that did? What are like the characteristics or the experiences of both sides that you saw?
0: Yeah, great question. I think one of the biggest differences is the people that I know and that I've connected to that did really well and were thriving through the pandemic and beyond are those that have already developed much more of a stoic mindset, the ability to move through life, look at challenges as truly challenges and opportunities of growth. And then those that struggled were people that essentially had you know, become a one-trick pony. I have one hobby. I have one habit. I have one thing that I do. And then when that's taken away because society shuts down, now what? You know, I always joke. I was given a lecture to a group of you know two hundred and fifty professionals in the healthcare industry recently. One of the things I do is is I go out and I lecture and I consult with businesses. And I was speaking to this group, and I always tell them, you know, I'm certainly a jackass. I've been called that many times. And in fact, when I was a kid, I literally was a jackass. So my dad, we had this garden in our backyard. And my dad used to take a rope and tie it around me or my brothers and make us pull the plow as he was standing behind it. And at the beginning of the season, instead of having a horse or a donkey, we were literally the donkey. We were the jackass. It would have to pull the plow to start the planting season. And so then, you know, creating the rows, planting the corn throughout the season, weeding it, doing everything, all the things that you need to do. Man, I'll tell you what, at the end of the season... That corn was the best corn I've ever tasted in my life. And every season that we did that, I was able to see the fruits of our labors. And up like that, I learned there there was a mantra that he taught us. He said, "You hoe to the end of the row." So what that meant was, if you had your garden hoe out and you were when you were getting rid of the weeds, whatever, wherever you started you had to finish all the way to the end, and, and that was when you were done or when you could take a break. And so growing up in that mindset that it didn't matter if I fell over and scraped my knee while I was pulling the plow, I still had to get up and keep pulling because the job needed to get done. There was only so much daylight. And so I learned this idea that hard work and determination was something that was extremely positive. Well, as a pandemic came along, my co-host and I were talking on the phone, and I said, "How are you doing?" He goes, "Man, I'm great." you know, this part of my life got shut down. And so I'm playing over in this space and I'm trying these different things. And we noticed something as we started to reach out and network with some of our other friends and do FaceTime calls and Zoom calls and, you know, whatever we could do to connect. And so many people were sad because the one hobby, the one habit that they had that had been taken away. And so now they're like, what do we do? And so, you you know, Miles and I were just like, okay, that's done. Well what about this these five books we haven't read? What about these ten recipes we haven't tried to cook? What about going out and doing all workouts in the park? What about, you know, one day I woke up and I live about a twelve minute drive from the closest ski resort here in Utah. And I just decided to go on a walk. And about ten minutes in I thought, Yeah, I'm gonna walk up to the ski resort. So I did. And I don't know how long it took me, hour and a half, you know, two hours, three hours whatever it was, I finally ended up at the ski resort and thought, well, there's a first. So the difference between playing and working hard in life to create this harmonious flow, and then those that just had one hobby or one habit that when it fell apart, they just crumbled. Interesting.
1: It also sounds like you had a history where you were raised with the idea and a very clear demonstration of hard work equals results. You know, you hoed to the end of the row and the end of the season, after waiting patiently, you got to literally reap the rewards that you had spent like blood, sweat and tears getting. So for those of us who maybe didn't have that experience, we didn't grow up with like parents who made us do certain things or, you know, we're just kind of coming to this now without having these tough experiences where we, or maybe have a bit more like a savage mindset where we're just ready to, evolve and embrace those challenges. How do we do that? How do you go from being like, I don't like discomfort to change your mindset around to almost seeking it out and understanding the positivity. And I feel like a lot of this can be,
0: yeah. you
1: know, leg day at the gym, you know, things like that, like hard conversations with your spouse. How do we change our mindset around to embrace those and look for those opportunities?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's two options. You know, option number one is if you feel like you're ready for the challenge, then make the list and say what are the top 1 2 or 3 things that i'm avoiding consistently in my life and if again if you're ready for the challenge lean into those things so if you're the person that typically doesn't lean into difficult conversations well having a difficult conversation is just it's a skill set that you can develop right there's there's ways to listen there's breathing techniques there are phrases that are important people you can learn the skill set just like anybody else. There's nothing inherent into the DNA of any human being that says you are a great person at having you know, critical conversations. These are skills that everybody can learn. And so the first thing is to say, if I'm ready, what are the one, two, or three things that I'm struggling with that I'm avoiding? And then just pick from that list, pick one of those three and lean into it. If you're not quite ready, I would start with something that's a little bit smaller and just say, okay, I'm going to put a little bit of discomfort at the beginning of my day. And maybe that discomfort is that when you're taking a shower at the end of that shower, turn the shower to the coldest and let it hit you in the face. Because if you get punched the cold at the beginning of the day, well, everything else is downhill from there. Right. In terms of difficulty and something as simple as that. And that's not a, that's not a difficult thing. This isn't the cold plunge, you know, where you're sitting there for three minutes and whatever, just, something difficult, something that is unique, that's very small, that will help you to feel a different result. And then the other thing I would say is, whatever it is, if you're leaning into the difficulty of the conversation, that's the, the toughest thing. Or if you're doing the cold shower, pause afterwards. You see, far too often we make these associations between difficulty and bad things in our life. And we don't realize that after we do something that's really difficult, there's actually this high, the brain changes, right? The chemistry, the chemicals in our body change as soon as we do the difficult thing and our physiological state changes. And so once you do the difficult thing, whether it's the really hard thing or it's the simple thing, do that and then pause and just feel what your body's feeling. Live in your body. Don't worry about what you did. Don't worry about the ramifications of it. Just feel the chemicals in the body. And what will happen is over time, you'll now start to link positivity with doing the hard things.
1: So after you finish those last set of Bulgarian split squats or, yeah, you know, leg day at yeah. the gym or doing that cardio you just really didn't want to do, let it sink in a little bit. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I mean, a lot of people talk about cold showers or, you know, doing small little things. But I think that a missing piece is that short period of reflection. Mm-hmm where you can allow those endorphins to hit you and start making those new associations where hard doesn't mean bad, hard, in fact,
0: can be good. Yeah, we choose what the meaning is to everything in life. Now-
1: Ooh, say that again for the people in the back. Yeah,
0: we choose what it is that when something happens to us, we choose what the meaning is, right? I can't necessarily choose. If somebody's really angry, you can feel the electricity, right? And I'm going to be affected by that. But what it means is my choice. If I leave there- And I choose a meaning on it that causes me to avoid those things in the future. That's up to me. You know, the other day I was with a consulting client and the client said, hey, I need you to talk to so-and-so. This person is one of our more troubled team members. And I need you to have a conversation to help them to understand how their negative comments and the negativity is affecting things. Well, so as you can imagine, I go into this meeting, and it's a very hostile initial conversation. And this person's arms crossed and, you know, shooting daggers at me. And I can choose what that means. I can choose that he doesn't like me. I can choose whatever it is. But the meaning to me was he's just feeling defensive. And so the first thing I've got to do is break down his walls. And so we just talk, we joke, we laugh. As soon as the walls are down, I'm like, so tell me what's going on. I noticed that this thing happened. Tell me about that. And as the walls broke down, he started to explain to me what happened from his point of view. So again, we're all going to be affected by the things that happen to us in life. We're all going to be affected by the energy, but we choose the meaning. And then we choose the answer to the so what question. So what does it mean? well, what am I going to do now? So it's up to us to make those choices.
1: I heard someone say one time that like the rain is meaningless. It doesn't have any inherent qualities in itself. It's not good. It's not bad, but we can decide, Oh, this rain, it's the worst. I live in Seattle. It's always raining. I'm having such a bad day. Or we can decide, Oh man, this like, we needed this rain. This is great. Like I love it when it's raining outside a little overcast. And so while the rain doesn't have any inherent like good or bad characteristics, our reflection and our meaning that we give it provides like our emotional state after the fact. I think that you just described that really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. The rain is nothing. It's just the meaning that we put on it.
1: So I think that this is an important idea of evolving, creating this mindset that's looking for challenges and opportunities rather than just seeing problems. I've been listening to a book by Ray Dalio, The Changing World Order, where he talks about like kind of the rise and falls of empires. Right. And so if his like hypothesis is to be believed, basically we're entering kind of like a decline after being, having tons of abundance for so long and being the reserve currency in the U S and all these things. And so like, based off of this, what it sounds like is we are in for a period of a bit of potential hardship moving forward. Things could, you know, you could lose your job. Things are going to be different. You know, like, so knowing that, what would you say are some of like the skills that people need to develop right now in order to not just survive things that are coming down, but actively look for those new opportunities, new ways of developing skills and thrive in a changing environment that maybe we haven't experienced up to this point?
0: Yeah, great question. I would say I'd look at the polarities of energy. The polarity of energy is is that, you know, there are some things that just don't change the soul that's inside of us doesn't change like who we are. Ultimately, whenever I've met people that are more evolved and they tend to be tapped into that deeper part of themselves, they all describe the experience exactly the same. They say that I found and got rid of the things that were keeping me from being my most evolved self. It wasn't that they became that they just got rid of the things that were blocking them from being there. Right.
1: So less of a new acquisition and more of shedding the things that don't serve.
0: Yes. Yeah. Get rid of the things, right? Come to the point where the deepest part of you, the deepest part of your psyche, your soul, whatever you want to call it, comes out in a more authentic way. Find out what that is and accept who you are and what you are, right? I think that's a tough thing to do, but that's where it goes on this path of finding the bedrock of what's inside of you. The other part of it is just understanding that all things die. Everything in life changes. Everything in life is in flux. I mean, we tend to think that we are in this super stable situation, whether it's I've got a stable job, I have a stable this, but yet we're on this rock in the middle of space that is constantly spinning, that is constantly going around a sun. Everything is changing. and is always changing, and understanding that when you wake up, everything is different. You know, what is it? The cells of your body regenerate and they turn over. I can't remember how many days it is, but it
1: depends. I feel like the oldest cell in your body is seven years is what I've heard.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, like the skin
1: and hair. There's like, that's like, like every three or four days, right?
0: Right. So whether it's three or four days or it's every seven years that you've got cells in your body that are changing, you're a new person today than you were. 10 years ago, your new person, like parts of you are new today than you were three like days ago. A hundred percent. Yeah, new. 100%. And so understanding that everything is always in flux. And so then if you can come back to the deeper part of who you are in your psyche, it will allow you to accept the knowledge that is, and they move forward with a sense of purpose. So I think it's playing with those polarities in life and coming to those polarities with a sense of childlike wonder.
1: Mm. Yeah. I feel like that kind of like that, having that playful attitude of like, Oh, that's interesting. That's wow. That's unique. Rather than having like a judgmental attitude can be so beneficial for being just able to be more flexible, having the ability to adapt to new situations. Yeah. So Steve, I got, I have two, kind of a two part question for you. Like okay. number one, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? I'd be Mm. curious to know what that looks like physically. And then maybe if there's a different thing, that's more of a mental thing. I'd love to hear about both of those.
0: Yeah. Great question. I'm not sure physically. I mean, I've done, I've pushed myself a lot over the years just because I, I try to challenge myself physically, you know, throughout the year and try and hit different high points. But I would say one of the most difficult things was years ago. And I'm a pretty small guy. I've got an ectomorphic frame. and But I've always loved the beauty that a great athlete or a bodybuilder could create with their body. I asked myself a question of, hey, if I went all in, could I become a natural bodybuilder and do well in a natural bodybuilding competition? You know, small frame, hard to gain muscle. I think at the time I was eating sometimes five, 6,000 calories, which for a guy my size was just roots of food. I mean, the, some of the ways that I would get those is I would go buy bags of bagels and I would make sure that I would finish one or two bags of bagels every day. Now, granted, this is like 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, trying to get these calories in.
1: But people are listening right now and thinking, wow, lucky. No. It is not fun oh, to you eat that many calories. Horrible. You're always bloated. Yeah. You feel awful. You're no energy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You feel awful. You just want to lay and curl up in a ball. hundred percent. So I just, you know, I asked myself the question, Hey, I wonder if I could really push myself and, you know, gain a certain amount of weight to where I could stand on stage and be credible. And so I went on a, a journey and I think it took me about four or five years. And I gained during that time, just over 30, 35 pounds. I think at my highest point, I was like 40 pounds. But then cut back down and stood on the bodybuilding stage. And I took, well, what was I I took first in my category and then I took third overall and, you know, competed against other natural competitors like myself. And that was really tough because I didn't know how hard and how long it would take. You know, I think one one of the things, one of the mistakes I made, which I see people make often, is they'll set a goal and then they set a timeline, And when you're new at something, you have no idea how long it's going to take to do something, right? I thought, well, yeah, if I get a year of training under my belt or two years of training, maybe then I could compete. Well, it took me like four or five years because I just couldn't build the muscle fast enough. And then when I built the muscle, then there wasn't enough depth and quality. So it took me four or five years. And then as I was cutting down and I'm getting ready for this competition, just figuring out what that looked like. And I remember one day, that there was this kind of comes into the body and the mind. I went into the gym and I was so exhausted. And, you know, we had some stuff going on in the family that was just some crazy stress. And I was like two weeks away from my competition. And I was thinking, do I tap out and do I quit? And I just had this moment where I looked up at the mirror. I was in the locker room, in the bathroom. And I just said, okay, if you can force yourself to go out there and do curls with 50-pound dumbbells today, then that's your own, that's your sign that you've got the the mental strength to keep going and finish this and do what you need to do. And I went out there, I warmed up and I think it was 50, 55, something like that, which was, you know, pretty heavy curls for a guy, my size. And I did it.
1: And also depleted two weeks before your show.
0: Right. Yeah. Totally depleted. I did those. I set them down. And at that point, something just kicked in that I learned that my mind was the limiter in all things. Mm. And that shifted my mindset for everything moving forward. I started asking different questions because I thought that what I was running into was a physical challenge, you know, trying to put the weight on, trying to cut down, but it ultimately became a mental challenge. And so I think that the, men, the physical to the mental challenge, and then that led me, when you talk about what's the toughest mental challenge over the years, I've always struggled with this idea that like, I am all over the place. There are days where I can focus and I can focus for eight hours straight. And if you're in the room with me, I don't even know you're there. But then there's other days where my brain just bounces around all over the place. And I did horrible in school, junior high, high school, like I was awful. And then a couple of years ago, my daughter went and got tested for ADHD. I started reading these books to learn more about it. About halfway through the second book, I thought, oh, yeah, I think I might have this too. So then I went and got tested. And I think one of the biggest challenges, one of the toughest things I went through, was going through the first 45 years of my life not knowing that I had ADHD. And so then once I learned what I had, that then became one of the most freeing things in my life because now I could say, oh, now I understand why I do this, less judgment, more understanding. Now I strategies to be more effective with that. So I'd say those are probably the physical, mental that come to mind right now.
1: Gotcha. That's really interesting. I wouldn't have thought you were going to go there with the ADHD. I want to go back to talking about those 50-pound curls here in a second, but I also just want to, like, I think that understanding piece, you know, can even outside of, like, overcoming mental toughness and stuff, I've always found this to be the case with injuries, mm. where you're like, oh, no, I've, like, I've ruined something forever. Oh, like, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And then you go to a doctor, and they're like, you know what? It's fine. Like you're going to be healed up in a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, like you have that instant realization, like, Oh, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And I think that sometimes just having someone in your corner who can speak to you with like wisdom and experience can help you overcome so many of those things, whether it's like an elbow injury the time before my, before I got married, I was having these like breathing issues where I couldn't take a deep breath. And I was so stressed about it. I thought I was going to have like lung cancer or something. And a doctor from the Mayo Clinic happened to be a friend of mine at the time. I was Doing his pool, so I emailed him and I was like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Fine." If I had if I had a dollar for every time someone brought this up to me, he's like, "I'd be a rich man." He's like, "It's just stress." And all of the sudden, I was like, "Oh!" And I just was able to like kind of relax. And I was like, "Oh, it fixed it via an email. It was amazing." So I want to go back to those curls because I do think that like there is something to what we think about as always being a physical ordeal. Like, oh, I just want to be able to drop this weight or do this thing or accomplish this goal. But you know, a lot of things people have heard this like Navy SEALs say, when you think you're done, you're really only like 40% of the way there, or you have 40% left in your tank. Can you speak a little bit more to that and the kind of that epiphany you had in that moment of it not being a mental physical thing, but actually a mental hurdle to overcome?
0: Yeah. I think it's something that really, that was a point for me and I've learned over the years, you know, I've, I've read a lot of James P Carson's work on game theory And one of the things that Kars talks about is the difference between finite games and infinite games. A finite game is something where we're working towards an end, right? A finite game might be the conference finals in basketball right now. So there's a start and an end to the game. There's a series. There's winners. There's losers. There's rules, right? Infinite games are much the same way where there's players in there. There's rules of how we play the game. But the difference is in the objective, The finite game has an objective of winning or losing. The infinite game is we are just trying to stay in the game and continue to play the game. So like a finite game of competing was where my mindset was at. I've got to be at this body fat percentage. I have to be at this level of muscularity. I have to be at this within this particular time. But when we put finite rules on an infinite game like life, Oftentimes those things cause us to trip up. And so what I found was as I shifted towards this mindset of, no, I'm really just in this infinite game of life. So if I go out there and I try and I fail, but I can go back tomorrow and do it again, then I'm still in the infinite game. Because the infinite game is life. It's like marriage. I mean, anybody that's married will tell you there's no winners and losers when you go into a battle with your spouse You know, nobody wins.
1: Or there's only losers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? And so the goal of the infinite game of marriage is to continue to keep playing the game. So you find ways to keep playing the game. And life is the same way. Fitness is the same way. Health is the same way. There's not a winner and a loser in this. It's how do I continue to play the game? And so what happened to me when I shifted in this idea that, yes, I'm going for a finite goal. I have a competition coming up. And so I'm going to do everything I can to be there. But that can't be at the expense of playing the infinite game of health, the infinite game of strength. And so that just opened up this massive box in my mind of extra energy, extra thought, extra juice, drive, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden, everything shifted for me. And what Most people find as I'm coaching them through, and we talk about becoming a more evolved man or a more evolved woman is that when we tap into this idea of you're playing the infinite game, then they start to look at it in a more holistic way. They start to say, I'm not just working out to lose body fat so that I feel better, I'm working out to lose body fat so that I feel better, so that I can express my highest self, so that I can engage with my kids in a way that inspires them to be their best self. And they start to pull all of these things together and they realize that the juice, the motivation to go do the 30 or 40 minutes of cardio to lose weight is only so big compared to the juice of doing the cardio so that they express their highest self so that they can live the best life. You know that there's so much more energy to that. Right. And, and, we talk about protein, carbs, and fats as the energy sources, and I think that there's one other energy source, and that is ener- that is just pure energy of the mind, pure energy of the soul, pure energy of the spirit that comes from being able to tap into our most evolved self.
1: That's fascinating. And I think that is very, like, if you can go back and re-listen to that, there's a very actionable piece in order to make this mindset shift. And I think a lot of mindset coaching a lot of times feels very woo-woo or ethereal, That is very tangible and I liked it. So here's kind of an example that I kept thinking about from my own life as you were talking is that for Christmas this last year, I wrote my wife and framed this thing that I call like the forever pledge, basically, where I wrote her a note, which was like, hey, I'm never going to leave you. This is like, this is forever. This is not like, I don't have any like one foot out the door waiting for something to happen. Like I'm in it with you no matter what. I'm never going to abandon you. Essentially. It was definitely a gift for her and I think she liked it. Right. But it was really interesting what the transformation was for me after writing it, because when I'm in the moment and we're having an argument or something else like that, I want it resolved. Right now. I need to talk. I need to talk it out. We need to figure it out. But what, when I after I wrote that, I had such a different shift in perspective where I was like, hey, this is for life. I, I'm not going anywhere. We can talk about this tomorrow morning. Like we do not have to deal with this. All the things right now. It's not. Critical to either one of us, we can take take some time to cool off. And so it was a gift for her, but it ended up being this really powerful experience for me because it gave me this perspective shift where I saw that it didn't need to be the way that I always thought it to be. So my question to you, Steve, is do you think people sometimes can handicap themselves by saying, Hey, I'm gonna do this goal, I'm gonna hit 30 pounds lost in three months, I'm gonna do this in six weeks? Because I know that we talk all about these smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, results driven and timely, right? But do you think that sometimes by throwing a time frame on this rather than looking at this infinite game you're describing, we sometimes put ourselves into a box where we feel like a failure when we don't actually hit these metrics or we're not on track or we miss a day?
0: Yeah, 100%. I would say the time piece is the one that most people get wrong and i'm actually a fan of smart goals but i just look at the time piece different i don't think you should predict the time to success when it when we talk about specific measurable achievable timely i call it time oriented or time stamp what i mean by that is i want you to carve out time to do the habits i want you to be present whenever you are working on whatever your goal is so don't think about it in terms of how long will it take me to get to my goal but can I not live in the future or worry about the past while I'm working towards my goal? And so when I work my, walk my clients through, if they say, well, I want to make a smart goal, I say, that's fine, but we're going to change the definition of the time piece. I'm not looking for you to say, I'm going to achieve this goal by this time. What I'm looking for is how many days, how many hours a week are you going to do the things that will get you to your goal? And then while you're there doing those things, How long can you focus, like truly focus, not worry about, oh, I got to go get the groceries and is my spouse worried about this or, oh, I can't believe I said that to so-and-so at the office. Like, don't time travel. Don't go to the future or the past. Just stay in the present while you're doing that. So to me, that's how you manage time because time is not what most people think it is from my perspective. My definition of time is that it's an internal construct right? We think about it as this external construct. We wear watches. We look at the clock. We think that these things are external. Time is not external. Time lives within us. Time is an internal construct that is like when you think about, okay, when's the last time or instance that Time flew by. Well, it's when you were totally engaged. You were enjoying what you were doing. When is the last time when time dragged? Well, time drags when we're not interested, right? But the clock never changed. And so time is an internal construct. It's our feeling. It's our focus. But essentially how you play into that is time is your energy multiplied by your focus. When you put energy into something and you focus, then you can condense time. Like a great 20 minute focused workout is more effective than an hour long messing around in the gym, not really doing anything, right? But it's the same thing. A, a great focused conversation for five minutes is way better than sitting around with two people in the same room staring at their own phones, right? Time is an internal construct that it's just this equation. You take focus, multiply it by energy and that's time.
1: That is a very interesting definition. I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said, because I've been known to, especially at home workouts, take a like a, just an easy 40 minute workout and cram it into an hour 40. You know, yeah, just dicking around, doing yep. stuff. Got to yep. touch this new light bulbs, probably. You know, yeah. And at the end of it, I'm like, did I even really do anything? Because I just felt like I just was like wandering. So right, right. That's a really great point, Steve. Before you close out of your podcast player, though, I wanted to make sure that you had a copy of the book that's been helping thousands of people get into great shape and sustain it. Go to GetNatesBook.com to access the Million Dollar Body Method. In that, I detail the seven daily activities that you need to be doing in order to make sure that you have great physical health long-term. I'll also give you a 28-day plan so you can test this out on yourself. You don't have to take my word for it and see if the science of low-carb backloading is right for you. Once again, go to getnatesbook.com to grab the million dollar body method on either Kindle or an ebook version. Of course, if you want the audible version or the hardback, it's on Amazon. So you can check it out there. Hope you have an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning into the low carb hustle. And I'll talk to you very soon.